Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Since 1948, Fate Magazine has brought you reports of the strange and unknown. All of them true. Fate Radio is carrying on that tradition, bringing you the unusual, macabre, strange, and bizarre. Join host Cat Hops Sunday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on WBHM Digital Broadcasting. You are listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting, the best in paranormal talk only on Paranormal Experience Radio. Broadcasting live, live, live out of Birmingham, Alabama. This is Ghost Talk with 187PI. Sit back and prepare yourselves for an adventure into the paranormal world with host. Shelly Robertson and 187PI Research Team. Ghost Talk is broadcasting live from Ohio's most haunted jail. Learn about their ongoing research at the jail and abroad, investigation techniques, and their personal encounters. Here is your host of Ghost Talk and 187PI founder, Shelly Robertson. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Ghost Talk Radio. We have a fantastic and interesting show planned for you tonight. While this show has been previously recorded for tonight's broadcast, Ghost Talk Radio does broadcast live out of the old Paul County Jail. We are right now attending the Scarefest Convention in Lexington, Kentucky. So if you're wondering what to do this weekend, come on over to the Scarefest Convention, stop by our booth, and say hi to us in person. Tonight, Vincent Robertson is here with me, and we will be discussing an interesting topic, hauntings in rural America. We also have a photo album at our Ghost Talk Radio Facebook page with some photos of those places in tonight's show. Hello and welcome, Vincent. Hello, Shelley. So to start off with, I just love talking about hauntings and places that are haunted, especially from out-of-the-way places and some with off-the-wall legends. There are so many of them we could go on for days, but we'll only be able to go over just a few of them tonight. So I'm going to start off with a few very close to the jail. In a small rural town of Grover Hill, Ohio, which is the same county as the jail, Paulding County, out on County Road 24, legend says you can see the ghostly figure of a man hanging near the intersection of County Road 24 and State Route 637. It is said that in the 1920s, there was a man who was haunted by the devil. One day after tending his farm, 
The man murdered his entire family. The sheriff found the man hanged by his neck later that night. It was rumored that a town person found him before the sheriff and enacted vigilante justice. Others believe, however, the devil himself possessed the man, causing him to commit suicide. Where else will we go in the county, Vincent? Here in the same rural town of the Paulding, which is actually a village, a town, but out on Coffin Road, legend says that an old man who hated children set the Eaton Orphan, I'm sorry, Eaton, Eaton Family Orphanage on fire, killing many of the kids inside. He then went back down the road and hung himself from a tree, which is today known as Hangman's Tree. Others say that the orphanage was struck by lightning, which caused fire. There's a plaque that marks the spot where the children's home once stood, while our research indicates that there was no fire and the orphanage was closed in 1974. We cannot be certain that there was even a fire uh, at all, but during some point, nonetheless, the reports still keep coming in on this location, and on certain nights it is said you can catch a glimpse of a child or maybe even an old man hanging from the tree. Witnesses have also heard the laughter of children playing near the site and have found handprints and footprints on vehicles parked in the area. Yes, everybody knows about the prints and, and footprints. Just a block away from the jail, we can actually see this next place. And it is the Paulding Carnegie Library. The Paulding Carnegie Library was funded in 1912 and opened in 1916 as the first county library in the United States funded by Andrew Carnegie. The library is said to be haunted, but no one is sure who exactly is haunting it. Employees working have seen people in the building when no one was supposed to be there. The police were summoned and the building searched and no one was found. A man and a little girl have been seen in the library most frequently. There have also been reports of a lady who roams around near some of the bookcases. We have had paranormal events there at the library in the past and have captured the EVP of what sounded to be a woman. Where are we going to go next, Vincent? This one is interesting, as I've been caving years ago. Around 4,000 years ago, located in Kentucky, the Mammoth Cave System was home to natives who buried their dead there. Since the caves have been used as a tuberculosis colony, there uh, were many patients died, and a hideout for fleeing slaves. Visitors of the cave see unexplained lights, orbs, and misty shapes. Many of the images here contain orbs. Many think to be spirits. However, we personally have a different take on <coughs> the majority of pictured orbs. Yes, and they also do something fun there at the Mammoth Cave, which is the um, zip lining, which I would like to go do some point. Me too. <laughs> this next one is in a small rural town of Garfield, Arkansas, and it is the Pea Ridge Military Park. It is said it still has soldiers engaged in nighttime warfare. Some guess 
at the Pea Ridge Military Park had reported hearing musket fire in the battlefield during the middle of the night. Others have said they have seen the ghosts of the Battle of Pea Ridge actually on the premises, and they've had the apparitions speak to them and follow them around. Where's your next? Where are we going to go next, Vincent? Traveling on to the Queen, Arkansas, brings us to the Avon Cemetery, where it is said that a ghostly mother and child haunt the cemetery, according to local legend. Hmm. As the story goes, a long time ago, the woman sat the baby on the edge of a well as she was drawing water, and the baby fell in and drowned. The baby's mother has been seen running around the cemetery, and some claim that if you drop a rock into the well in the center of the cemetery at night, you can actually hear the baby crying. That's never a good idea to set the baby on the edge of a well. Nope. <laughs> Traveling on to Crossit, Arkansas. The railroad crossing at the Myris Saline Road in Crossit is haunted. So say some of the locals. A ghostly swinging light appears to be walking up and down the tracks at this location. Residents claim the light comes from the spirit of a man who was decapitated after being struck by a train. Horrific. Allegedly, the ghost is searching for his head. Locals claim that those who are standing on the tracks will see the light coming toward them. They say if you see the light... Don't walk towards it. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> but don't do it. <laughs> okay, next we are traveling to Deer Lodge, Montana, a small rural incorporated town in the Mon territorial prison where it housed prisoners from 1871 until 1970. And in the beginning, its insufficient facilities, overcrowding, and poor food quality made it an especially miserable place to be. There were quite a few murders here, as well as a huge riot in 1959. Um, visitors, employees of the now museum, have seen ghosts on one of the most uh, infamous residents called Turkey Pete, hearing strange noises and feeling of being touched and choked or also calm. So if you want to be choked, that's the place to go, <laughs> choked <laughs> by a ghost. <laughs> The next place, it is in a small rural town with a population of around 200 folks. And it is Bonanza Inn, located in Virginia City, Montana. Virginia City might be a fun tourist town now, you know, like an old ghost town. But it has a dark history of murders, hangings, and debauchery. The Bonanza Inn is the most haunted building in the city which is not surprising of a population of 200. Guests have reported being pinched and poked during their stay, and anyone who sleeps in the notorious room one has a good chance of seeing a ghost. Hmm. Then we have Little Bighorn Battlefield. National Monument pr preserves the site of the June 25th and 26th, 1876 Battle of the Little Bighorn near Crow Agency, Montana. It also serves as a monument to those who fought in the battle. George Armstrong Cluster's 7th Cavalry and a combination, uh, I'm sorry, a combined Lakota, Northern Cheyenne, and Arapaho force. 
If there was ever a place where ghosts might roam, this would probably be it. The site is a prime spot for paranormal activity. From sounds of men screaming to apparitions of soldiers and Indians at night. Well, that's like with most of the battlefields. Uh, Most of them are reportedly haunted, you know. We were out west, and let's go to the northeast to a small town of Chittenden, Vermont, with a population of around 1,500. By the way, I think there are some beautiful places and architecture in Vermont. Lots of just fantastic houses. This is where, speaking of houses, we find the Eddie House. The Eddie House was originally the home of Zephaniah Eddie, whose three children descended from a long line of psychics. From a young age, the children, named William, Horatio, and Mary, were mediums, and they played with ghostly children, went into trances, spoke in spirits' voices, and were eventually expelled from school for levitating desks and making books through the air. Zephaniah had enough of the paranormal activity, and he sold his children to a traveling sideshow, where they were cruelly exploited for 14 years. Now the children, they moved back to the Eddie house after their father's death and turned the home into an inn called the Green Tavern, where they would hold seances for guests and conjure up spirits. Henry Steele Olcott went on to validate the authenticity of the stories convinced of the authenticity of the editorial's book called People from Other Worlds, which included a description of his exploration of the Eddies, including drawings of the spirits, the grounds, and the Eddie house. Today, the Eddie House is home to the High Life Ski Club Lodge. Which brings us to another rural town in Vermont with a population of around 3,000, and that is Pittsford. This is where we find the police academy, once a hospital for tuberculosis patients, and it is it is still be haunted by a nurse named Mary who worked here during that era and had contracted TB herself. All of the old call buttons are still in the recruit's room, and it is said that if pushed, the friendly ghost of the nurse Mary will pay a visit during the night. <laughs> Maybe she'll bring you whatever it is you need. <laughs> then we travel on to the small rural town of Fairhaven, Vermont. And again, a population of around 3,000. Here we find the Marble Inn, another residence with ghostly experiences. And it is the Marble Mansion, which was built in 1867. After one of the inn's previous owners passed away in the tea room, reported phenomena. One guest awoke in the middle of the night. see a man standing at the foot of her bed wearing a gray Two children were once locked in a room from the inside. The door would not open even after it had been unlocked with the room key. Additional ghostly happenings took place in the basement of the mansion when a repairman heard footsteps. And uh, when he looked up, he saw a young woman standing there. He asked her to leave, and she ignored him and walked into another room. 
The repairman followed her, insisting that she leave, but when he entered the room, she was no longer there. The room was dark and empty. Spooky. Next, we are traveling across the states to the Palmer House Hotel in a small town of Salk Center, Minnesota, with a population of, of about 4,500. The Palmer House was built in 1901 by Ralph and Christina Palmer on the site of the Salk Center House. The city's first hotel went down on June 26, 1900. It was ideally situated in the heart of Salk Center Business District and just over a block from the train station. The Palmer House was the first building in Salk Center to have electricity. Mm. The Palmers lived on the premises with their two children and were assisted in running the establishment by Christina's mother and brother. Now, the Palmer House created, uh, catered especially to traveling salesmen arriving by the railroad who not only found overnight lodging but meeting spaces and after-hours relaxation at the hotel. Local residents also have used the hotel as a gathering place. The Palmer House Hotel has long been known as one of the most haunted places in Minnesota. Reports of paranormal activity have been made since the 1950s, and there have been a variety of unexplained occurrences in the building. Some of these include an apparition of a young boy, a bouncing ball down the stairs, disembodied voices, and some poltergeist activity. There have also been reports of a ghost of a, uh, a famous author, Sinclair Lewis, may also be haunting the building, as in his younger days, he worked two summers as a desk clerk. The Palmer House Hotel has also been featured on several paranormal TV shows. And, yeah, we should go visit it sometime. Moving on, we travel to Sanhaven Sanatorium in Dunside, North Dakota. Sanhaven Sanatorium was opened in 1912 in order to treat those suffering from tuberculosis. There were also developmentally disabled patients admitted to the hospital right up until the 1980s when it was closed down on the back of financial difficulty. In its heyday, the hospital would have housed as many as 900 patients and reports suggest that the conditions were not all that they should have been, which is probably being a little too generous. Now, it is thought that between the hospital opening in 1912 and closing in 1989, as many as 1,000 patients passed away there. However, the death count does not stop there. In 2001, a 17-year-old boy apparently fell to his death while exploring the abandoned property. Locals all agree that the San Haven Sanatorium is one of the most haunted locations in North Dakota, but actual specifics are hard to come by. Now, from some of the reports, a baby can be heard crying inside, faces can be seen looking out of the windows, dark shadows can be seen wandering the empty rooms, and sighting of orbs and apparitions have also been reported. And with that, we will be back after this short break with more ghost talk 
You're listening to Ghost Talk Radio on WBHM Digital Broadcasting. WBHM Digital Broadcasting. The best in paranormal talk radio. Twenty-three minutes past the hour. Welcome back to Ghost Talk Radio. With me is your host Shelley Robertson, and joining me is Vincent Robertson. If you just tuned in, we have been discussing hauntings in rural America. If you missed the first part of the show, no worries. You can catch the full show archive on Spreaker, Google Play, iTunes, and iHeartRadio at your leisure. I want to let all our listening friends tonight know that all of the places we're discussing in tonight's show are real locations. If you plan on visiting any of these places, please get proper permission from the property owners as trespassing is against the law and can get you arrested and a hefty fine. Where are we going to go next, Vincent? 
Moving on to an unincorporated town with a population of under 100. Oh, my. <laughs> is the Trotton Trail Historic Inn, located in St. Michael, North Dakota. The, the Trotton Trail Historic Inn once served as living quarters for officers and their families in the later part of the 19th century. Now, today it operates as a bed and breakfast. Witnesses say that they have seen a number of ghosts in the inn and that some followed them around the building. It is believed that these apparitions could be a woman who passed away before some major events took place at the inn. It is without a doubt one of the most haunted places in North Dakota. And a place with a population of 100. So maybe we should go check it out sometime. Next on to the small rural town of Harvey, North Dakota, with a population of a little bit more, 1,800, but still pretty small. Here we find the Harvey Public Library. The Harvey Public Library was built where the Benz residence once stood. And why do you think this is significant? Well, it's because this could explain very well why the library is one of the most haunted places in North Dakota. In 1931, Sophia Eberline Benz was bludgeoned to death as she slept by her own husband. He killed her. Hmm. He was arrested and convicted of her murder after Sophia's daughter found blood in the bedroom. All right, the library staff, they began to move into the new building on the 59th anniversary of Sophia's funeral. An unexplained activity began to happen almost immediately. The librarian's office is said to be a particular focal point, and it can surely be by no coincidence because where the office sits is where Sophia would have actually died. <laughs> now let's gallop on over to the small rural <laughs> town of Cody, Wyoming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is named after Colonel William Frederick Buffalo Bill Cody for his part in the creation of the original town, which brings us to the Irma Hotel. The thing that Irma Hotel in Cody is best known for is that it was actually built by none other than Buffalo Bill. Nice. However... What most people do not know is that it is also one of the most haunted hotels in Wyoming and is said to be haunted by Buffalo Bill himself, mm. along with a host of other restless spirits. Guests of the hotel have reported a wide range of paranormal activity, including phantom footsteps and unexplained noises. But perhaps the most disconcerting of all is seeing that appears to be missing for half of his was The hotel was named. Buffalo Bill's daughter, Irma Cody, and it is said that she also haunts the property. An apparition, uh, an apparition matching her description has also been seen in room 16, which used to be her room. Guests who have seen her say that she appears to be sitting in a rocking chair in the corner of the room. Definitely, we need to book room 16. Yes. So, moving on to Thermopolis, Wyoming, with a population of around 3,000. Thermopolis is the Greek word for hot city. It is home to num a number of natural hot springs in which mineral waters are heated by ge a geothermal process. Now, the town is named for the hot springs located there. The town claims the world's largest mineral hot spring. Greatly named the 
spring brings us to the Hot Springs County Library. And of course, there's been a number of haunted libraries that we're talking about. And actually, we've been to a few. And a library probably isn't the first place that you think of when you're talking about haunted buildings. But believe it or not, Hot Springs County Library is indeed one of the most haunted places in the state. Visitors and staff alike have reported shadow people, disembodied voices, and books flying off the shelves all by themselves. Many think that the activity might also be attributed to the hot springs being a conductor of paranormal activity. So that actually is very interesting, and I would like to go and, and do some studies there. <laughs> right. Traveling on to the next small rural town of Fort Laramie, with a population of around 230. Oh. The town is named after historic Fort Laramie, an important stop on the Oregon, California, and Mornon trails, as well as a staging point for various various military excursions and uh, treaty signings, which brings us to the Fort Laramie historical site. Um, in 1850, Fort Laramie was known for being a trading post post which was operated by the American Fur Company. It is said that tra the trading post was um, was actually an agent running running it uh, bought by his daughter out uh, with him and she disappeared one day after running off on her own on a horse. The, the guy's daughter disappeared? Yeah. Uh, you might expect to, to see her uh, haunting the fort but um, some say that perhaps she is one of the spirits there. But the most well-known entity is the ghost of the Calvary officer. Visitors also report phantom footsteps and doors that open by themselves. Oh, very interesting and confusing as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's travel on to another fort, Fort Bridger, Wyoming, with a population of Route 3. These are really small places. Fort Bridger was originally a 19th century fur trading outpost as well, established in 1842 on Black's Fork of the Green River in what is now Unita County, Wyoming. It has become a vital resupply point for wagon trains on the Oregon Trail, California Trail, and the Mormon Trail. The Army had established a military post there, in 1858 during the Utah War and it was finally closed in 1890. Now the small town Fort Bridger, Wyoming remains near the fort and of course it takes its name from the fort which brings us to Fort Bridger State Historical Site which is well known for being haunted by the ghosts of several soldiers who were stationed there in the 1800s. There is also said to be a ghost of a dog residing in this historic location, which is actually deemed to be one of the most haunted places in Wyoming. Visitors often report seeing the ghost of an old man inspecting some of the graves on the property, while the museum building seems to play host to two spirits who are fascinated by new technology and they often play with, like, the copy machines and other electronic devices. What do you think about that? Hmm. 
Which now brings us to the Occidental Hotel in a small town of Buffalo, Wyoming. Buffalo's Occidental Hotel was once an Old West saloon and brodello. Ooh. Mm, right. <laughs> it is now said to be haunted by the daughter of one of the prostitutes who worked there. The girl is said to have died on the upper floor of the building, and she manifests as a spectral woman in a white and long, dark, uh, I'm sorry, with a long, dark hair. She has been known to move furniture around and is also said to be responsible for a variety of unexplained noises around the hotel. She has also been known to tap guests on the shoulder while they're sitting at the bar. Some guests claim to have heard her laughing and also have heard some of her disembodied voices suggesting that she is not the only spirit that is haunting the Occidental Hotel. Hmm. So, yeah, a haunted bordello. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on, we're going to travel to New Mexico to a ghost town haunted by dead miners. In Dawson, New Mexico... Actually, that doesn't actually really exist anymore because the town was abandoned after two deadly disasters. The only thing left of the old mining town is the Dawson Cemetery. The small town thrived in the late 1800s, but tragedy struck in 1913 when an explosion took the lives of nearly 300 miners. Ten years later, another explosion killed 123 men. The company the mine and Dawson became a ghost town soon after. Now visitors see misty apparitions and glowing lights near the cemetery gravestones. Legends say these lights are the headlights of the ghostly miner's helmet. Which brings us to a restaurant haunted by murder victims. Oh nice. (laughs) The New Mexico town of how do you say that? Massilia. Massilia. Uh, is home to be a haunted restaurant called Double Eagle. The restaurant was once a beautiful mansion owned by a prominent Mays family. Um, The story goes like this. The family's youngest son fell in love with the maid, and his disapproving mother ordered him to end the relationship immediately. One day, the judgmental mother returned to the home early uh, to find the two embracing, and she went into a murderous rage. She stabbed the girl with a pair of scissors, and then she literally stabbed her own son in the back. Nice. The woman never spoke again out of guilt and regret. The the ghostly couple still haunt the mansion, now restaurant, but they still relatively play. They're they're playful, playful spirits. Next, we shall travel to Iowa, and we don't really hear a whole lot about Iowa, to a rural place near Charles City. The legend goes that sometime in the 1920s, there was a a fiery train crash near Charles City that killed many passengers. One car was full of orphan children who became trapped in the train car and perished in the fire, and that is tragic. It is said that the ghost children can still be heard crying, and sometimes the smell of burning is detected. Some have seen the ghost of a little girl walking through the woods in a white dress, and one person has reported finding a burnt baby doll half buried in the ground by the tracks. Moving on to Algona at Plum Creek Picks, 
in Algona, Iowa, there is said to be a mysterious little boy who plays on the watch. The local legend says that this boy was playing at the pits one day when he tripped and fell into a stick, which impaled him. Local fishermen have reported seeing the boy along the river's edge, and they call out to him. It's said that uh, he just disappeared without a trace. So he just shows up sporadically. Now, there is a legend about this house in the small rural town of Clarion, Iowa. They say to go to this house and walk upstairs and pick up one of the old photos on the ground. Then take the photo home with you and sleep with it. When you wake up, the photo will be gone. When you go back into the house, the photo will be back on the floor where you found it, and there will be a dark figure in the picture. Apparently, the figure's name is George, <laughs> and he will haunt you after you touch the photograph. <laughs> they say that if you let him touch you, get this, if you let him touch you, he will take part of your soul. <laughs> mm? This next one is located in Monticello, Iowa. The 150-year-old Edinburgh Manor is rumored to be haunted by the Joker, a violent ghost known to choke visitors. Oh, boy. It has been a mental institution, among other things, and at least 80 people are said to have died there and are buried out in the cemetery where visitors have reported seeing ghostly figures and feeling strange presence. Nice. So let's go there so you can be choked. <laughs> <coughs> Next on, we're going to travel to Alton, New Hampshire. And I don't think we hear so much about New Hampshire, at least. I don't have heard people talk about New Hampshire too much. But we're going to go to the town hall. There has been a variety of paranormal activity reported in the old building, including heavy footsteps when he's there, doors on their own, voices and furniture that moves all by itself. That sounds like a lot of stuff that happens at the jail. Right. Okay, moving on, we're traveling to the Mount Washington Hotel in Brenton Woods, New Hampshire. Construction on the Mount Washington Hotel began in 1900 and was completed in 1902. The hotel was the largest wooden building in New England and was a pet project of the wealthy industrialist Joseph Stickney. Sadly, he had, he had little time to enjoy his creation as he died less than a year after it was opened. However, it is not his spirit that is said to haunt the hotel. Instead, it is his wife, Carolyn Stickney. Soon after Joseph died, Carolyn remarried, this time taking a European prince as her husband. Carolyn died in 1936, and soon afterwards, staff began reporting seeing very strange things happening around the hotel. In the winter months, the caretaker claimed to have seen an elegant lady walking into the dining room and reported that lights would turn on and off by themselves all over the hotel. When the summer staff returned, they posed for a photograph only to find a shadowy female figure looking through the window behind them. Carolyn's old room, number 314, is said to be the most haunted which is not at all surprising considering her giant four-post bed is still in the room. Wow. 
Next, we're going to go to Pine Hill Cemetery in Hollis, New Hampshire. Pine Hill Cemetery has a nickname that hints at its dark history. The locals know it as Blood Cemetery. There are more than 300 gravestones dating as far back as the 1700s. It is also a lightly full of ghostly apparatus and have also explained sounds floating or light. There's one particular spirit who is said to make regular appearances and he is also the reason for, for Pine Hill Cemetery's gruesome nickname. His name is Abel Blood. He was a devout Christian and he was laid to rest in Pine Hill Cemetery in 1867 next to his wife, Betsy Blood. It is said that the Blood family were murdered, but this has never been proved in actual fact. What seems to be apparent though, is that Abel Blood remains in the cemetery in the form of a, a malevolent entity that scares the wits out of those who come to visit the burial ground. There is also a strange legend linked to Abel Blood's headstone. Now this is what I find really interesting about the headstone. It bears the carving of a hand with the index fing finger pointed towards heaven. However, if you dare to visit his grave at night, it is said that the grave marker changes color and that the finger points downward. Creepy. Hmm. Next on to Henniker, New Hampshire, where we find the ocean-born Mary house. Oh. It is said to be haunted by a woman named Mary who, was, who had fiery red hair and green eyes. Nice. It is said that she appears in one of the upstairs windows, and she has also been seen on the house's main staircase where people enter the building. Mary was a lady who lived in the house and was widowed at the young age. Uh, this seems to be nothing out of the ordinary until you learn that Mary was the one who found the body of her murdered husband and then chose to bury him under the hearthstone in her kitchen. No wonder this place is haunted. Many sounds, Mary sounds like she could, uh, she could be very creepy indeed. But those who have encountered her say that the feeling they get is that she is simply there to guard and protect her home. And with that, we will be right back with more Ghost Talk Radio. You are listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting.
listening to WBHM, digital broadcasting, the best in paranormal talk, only on Paranormal Experienced Radio, broadcasting live out of Birmingham, Alabama. 47 minutes past the hour, you are listening to Ghost Talk Radio with me as your host, Shelley Robertson. And joining me tonight is Vincent Robertson. Ghost Talk Radio broadcasts live from the old Pauling County Jail, located in Paulding, Ohio. We, however, tonight is a pre-recorded broadcast since we are attending the Scarefest Convention in Lexington, Kentucky. We have been discussing hauntings in rural America this evening and if you missed the first part of the show, you can always listen to our show archive at your leisure on Spreaker, Google Play, iTunes, and iHeartRadio. We will post the archives on our Ghost Talk Radio Facebook page. Just go to Facebook, use the search feature, type in Ghost Talk Radio, and we'll pop right up. We also have a photo album there with pictures of many of the places we talked about this evening. I want to remind everybody, I know it sounds like a broken record, but all of the places in tonight's show are real places. So if any of our listening friends out there plan to visit any one of these places, please get proper permission from property owners as trespassing is against the law. Where do the rural hauntings take us next, Vincent? Some of you who have been experiencing heat from the weather lately, we'll appreciate where we're going to next. The Red Onion Saloon, Sagaway, Alaska. The Red Onion Saloon in Sagaway was originally a brothel. Oh. But it has served as various different purposes over the years, including an army barracks, a bakery, a laundry, a union hall, <laughs> wow. a, a gift shop, <laughs> and a television studio. And somehow you like brothels, obviously. <laughs> I like them all. <laughs> These days, you can take a guided tour of the property with tour guides dressed, at, dressed as madams of the era. Nice. It is really like taking a step back into the height of the gold rush. Mm. The Red Onion Saloon has a unique way of doing business. The first floor was the bar area, and the upper floor had 10 rooms where the ladies could entertain their guests. Nice. Now, down in the bar, there were 10 dolls, each representing the working girls. If the doll was laying flat on her back, it meant the girl was occupied. If it was sitting upright, <laughs> it meant that she was available. Wow. In terms of paranormal activity, one of the most prominent ghosts that are said to call the the Red Onion Saloon home is a female spirit known as Lydia. She is It is believed that Lydia is one of the prostitutes that worked at the brothel. And you can hear her footsteps... You can hear her footsteps on the second floor of the brothel where she used to work, and visitors also report a strong scent of perfume and unusual cold spots. Lydia has also been seen as a full-body apparition walking around in the madame's room and sometimes running down the hallway. Strangely enough, Lydia is also said to wear to water plants, and often the hostesses will come in and find soil in the pots of the plants there to be wet. On occasion, Lydia is also said to behave very aggressively towards men. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
It is not known if she died at the brothel or why she destined to remain there. Hmm, very interesting. She must have just worked there a long time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Wowzers on that. Mm. Moving on, we travel to Nightmute High School in Nightmute, Alaska. Everyone remembers um, Moaning Myr Myrtle from the Harry Potter show, right? That was the teenage schoolgirl doomed to haunt the school bathroom where she died. Well, the Nightmute High School in Alaska has its very own version of the famous ghost. It's a little girl, and she is said to haunt the school's bathroom as she is known to flush the toilets <laughs> and to flick the lights on and off. However, unlike Moaning Myrtle, she is not confined to the bathroom. She's also been... Uh, heard wandering around the school humming and she often plays with basketballs if they are left unattended in the gym <laughs> unfortunately nobody is actually sure who this ghostly girl actually is but a grave was discovered underneath room number 106 which might explain how Nightmute High School came to be one of the most haunted places in Alaska hmm Next, we travel on to the Jesse Lee Home for Children. It is located in Stewart and first opened in 1926. In its heyday, there would have been a home there for hundreds of orphans. However, the property suffered a massive amount of damage in 1964 during an earthquake, and allegedly several of the children were killed. Oh, terrible. It is these poor children who are now said to haunt the deteriorating property. Those who come to visit the old Jesse Lee Home for Children have reported experiencing feelings of dread and despair upon entering the building. It is also common for visitors to hear giggling of children, through though none of them are present. The sound of jumping ropes and bouncing balls can be heard as well, and there are often small shadowy figures seen fitting past the windows as well, seen by those standing outside of the building. Hmm. Very interesting. Sad for the children. Next, we travel to the Motherload Lodge in Palmer, Alaska. It is said to play host to a number of different spirits. Visitors have reported seeing a misty black apparition roaming the grounds of the lodge on a number of occasions. It is also fairly common for people to look into the mirrors around the lodge and spot a figure in period clothing standing behind them in the reflection. Pretty creepy, right? Right. Aside from the apparitions, other strange and unexplained incidences have also been reported, including loud banging noises, mysterious knocking, and disembodied voice of a young girl. Some people have also claimed to have seen doors and curtains opening and closing on their own late at night. Now I think I would like to take a moment to fill all our listening friends in on what's going on with 187PI and what's going on at the jail for the month of September. Um, Right now, this very weekend, September 14th through the 16th, we are 
attending the Scarefest Convention, which is the largest paranormal and horror convention in the United States. We have a booth there, so if anyone out there is looking for something to do this weekend, this is the place to be. Stop by our booth and say hi to us in person when you get there. It's, it's really fun, and if you like to dress up in costumes, that's also really fun, too. Everybody does that all weekend. It's super fun. Meet all your horror actors, your favorite actors, and all your paranormal favorite TV show personalities. For the month of September, we are also running our escape games, and this month's theme is the Barker Crime Mob. The games are held in the cell blocks, and they are so much fun. They actually help us to fund the restoration processes we have going on at the jail. And to, um, to see the game sessions, what's available, and to get more information, go to jailbreakcode9.com, and that's where you can also book your games and see what's available on the upcoming months. September 23rd, we have Ghost Stories Night. And that is from uh, 4 to 6 p.m. This event is a social event where you can meet other people, including us, and swap ghost stories and experiences. And that gives you a platform and a place to talk about all kinds of paranormal stuff and maybe meet some new people in the field and learn some things from some of the other people. Um, proceeds from the ticket sales for this event goes to help the local dog kennel, which runs mostly on donations by the uh, Paulding County Sheriff Department. And it also helps the restorations here at the jail. For tickets, for Ghost Stories Night, just go to 187pi.com and click on events. That's where you can get more information and reserve your spot. We have a few remaining private group paranormal investigation nights left for the season, which <clears throat> the end of the ghost hunting season at the jail is November 9th and 10th. And we do have a few, up until that point, a few private sessions remaining. If you have a paranormal group or you have a batch of friends and you would like to investigate the old Paulding County Jail and try to get some of the evidence and the activity captured that we're always telling you about and you, you see other people post on Facebook, just go to... 187PI and click on Investigate the Old Paulding Jail. Here you can see the remaining dates as well as book your session. Speaking of which, we do have uh, one, two, th three ghost hunt sessions yet coming up for the season. We have uh, one weekend in October, one weekend in November, and just one single night in October. And that is for our public ghost hunts. Those are operated by Ghost Hunt Weekends, and they are 
one of the largest paranormal event companies in the United States with a office in the UK. They handle all of our, our public ghost hunts. To book one of our remaining ghost hunt nights, go to ghosthuntweekends.com and click on the old Paulding County Jail and reserve your spot. The jail will be down for ghost hunts from November 11th until the first weekend in May of 2019. So, if you want to get some evidence in, either go to 187pi.com for a private investigation or ghosthuntweekends.com for one of the public ghost hunts. Now, I want to thank everyone for taking time out of their busy schedules listening to our broadcast tonight. And I wish everyone a wonderful evening. Tune in next time for more Ghost Talk with 187PI on Fridays at 7 p.m. Central and 8 p.m. Eastern here on WBHM Digital Broadcasting. Good night, everyone. Good night. You are listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting, the best in paranormal talk, only on Paranormal Experience Radio. Broadcasting live out of Birmingham, Alabama. Since 1948, Fate Magazine has brought you reports of the strange and unknown. All of them true. Fate Radio is carrying on that tradition, bringing you the unusual, macabre, strange, and bizarre. Join host Cat Hops Sunday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on WBHM Digital Broadcasting.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.